We're going to, continuing this series on what a beautiful name, and uh, we're going to continue here in Mark, but we're going to skip a few paragraphs this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to the book of Mark. And um, But before we jump into today's text, quick question I want to ask you is, um, what do you like to do to help you relax? Just, just shout it out. What are some things that you like to do to help you relax? Sleep on a hammock. I heard sleep like everyone just said sleep. (laughs) Great. That's awesome. Okay. Great that we get sleep. Anything else? Things that you like to do to help you relax. Shout it out. Play on your phone. Play video games. Movies. Have a good beer. Yeah, we're that kind of Baptist. Jesus made the good wine. The good wine. The best wine. Anyways, anything else? A hot bath, music, read. It's pretty amazing with just, you know, such a diverse uh, group of people, we can, you know, come up with a whole lot of different ways to find ways to relax. You know, I know people who love camping and love fishing and love hiking, all these outdoor things. I know people who are the exact opposite, who like all the indoor things, the book, the TV, the video game, the relax on a comfy lazy boy. What do we like to do to relax? (laughs) I'm going to be real honest with you. Relaxing for me has been a journey. I am not one who has done well in the topic of relaxing. Uh, I don't know if it's the ADHD that just kind of keeps my brain going. The moment I just try to sit down with a cup of coffee and a good book, I will read about two paragraphs. And it's like, And I'll start twitching, thinking this is a colossal waste of time and I should be doing something else more productive. (laughs) I'll try to sleep, and my brain will go, no, we're awake, we're awake, we're awake. (laughs) Let's cure cancer tonight. Then I'll start thinking about how I could possibly do that. (laughs) There's so many things in my life that has kept me from even knowing how to relax. And just even in my my ministry experience, when I think about the 12 years that I've been in pastoral ministry, the first 10 years of it was a kind of a a ministry and the demands that ministry can play on life. I had a young family at the time. I was pursuing theological education at the time and ordination at the time. There was no time for a break. There was no time for a rest. And that's the culture that you and I live in. It is fast-paced. It is go, 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 go. I remember in the early 90s when I started working in the computer industry, and we believed that the computer revolution was going to make everybody's lives simpler and provide more rest. And you laugh because you know that's a bunch of crock that that didn't happen. In fact, the exact opposite seemed to happen with the, advent of, with, with the advent of technology. And the more we can work, the more we can produce, it seems like we are resting less and less. So as we continue this series in the Gospel of Mark, today I want to talk about Sabbath. I want to talk about keeping Sabbath. Because Jesus taught on it. And, when, what, and like we've been saying in this series, whatever Jesus taught, we will teach. Whatever Jesus did, we will do. And whoever Jesus loved, we will love. So let's look at this topic today. But just to kind of set this up a little bit, let's, if you were here with us last week, 
um, we were kind of in Mark chapter 1, kind of talking about the impure spirits that Jesus was driving out. And if you just kind of look in your Bible, look at what's kind of story-wise what's going on here at this point. You know, Jesus continues his teaching. He's continuing his healing ministry, right? He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's healing people who are demon-possessed. Jesus heals a paralyzed man, and he goes as far as saying to this paralyzed man that your sins are forgiven. Now, the religious leaders of Jesus' day who are following him around, they're following him because he's preaching with this authority. He's doing these miracles, and they're not too sure what to make of him. Do we like this guy or not? And then suddenly he starts saying things like, your sins are forgiven. And they go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. No rabbi can say that. No teacher can say that. Only God has the power to forgive sin. So when people in our culture today think Jesus is just a good teacher, Jesus never said that. He said, I forgive your sin. So people started getting mad at him. And then the religious leaders, they see Jesus hanging out with sinners, hanging out with the people that they would never hang out with. The low lives of their day. The tax collector. Dun, 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 dun. The worst of the worst. No one wants anything to do with them. But Jesus eats with them. Jesus hangs out with them. He goes into their home. He laughs with them. And the religious leaders um, don't go to Jesus. They go to his followers. <laughs> Let's go around Jesus. And they go to his followers and say, why does your master do that? Why does he eat with sinners? And Jesus knows their heart and hears them and says, well, you got a problem with me? Come talk to me. That's the Kevin paraphrase. <laughs> you got a problem with me? Come talk to me. And Jesus says, I didn't come for the people who think they're healthy. I came for the sick. <laughs> I came for the sinner, for the one who needs that, who knows they need God. Right? And then the religious leaders, they start seeing Jesus' followers doing other things that um, is kind of against the rules. You see, because the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they had this entire system of ministry put into place. This is what good religious people do. Good religious people will keep these rules, will keep these commandments. They've got a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. That's 613 lists. And you better be doing those. And they're watching and they're keeping score of Jesus' followers. And they're saying, hey, these people are not keeping our rules so we have a problem with them and then this time they see the disciples not keeping the rules instead of going to the disciples the leaders go to jesus this time and say why are they not keeping our traditions and jesus responds to them and rebukes them on this and so what we want to look at today the text i want to look at today is kind of the ending of mark chapter 2 Because here we see the big switch. Here's where we see the religious leaders going from, we don't really like this guy. And here's where they make the switch to, we hate him and we want him dead. And what we see is the reason they make the switch from, we don't like him, to, we hate him and want him dead, is not what he does but rather when he does it. 
It's not the healing. It's not the teaching they're upset with. It's when he did it. Because he did it on their holy day, on their Sabbath. The fourth commandment, you will keep the Sabbath holy. And in the religious tradition, what Jesus was doing was unholy, was not of God, and we have to get rid of him. So let's read about this in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. This is what Mark records for us. He says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees, these religious leaders, they said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Basically picking a little bit of grain off of a stem is work. Why are you working? That is unlawful. You are not keeping this day holy. What keeping a day holy means is holy means being set apart. It's unlawful to do what they're doing on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Jesus is saying, we have a precedence in the word of God that, yeah, there's this law that only priests can eat this, but David ate it and David shared it. And that was considered unlawful. And you don't have a problem with King David, do you, Pharisees? Oh, they don't answer. So then Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And then it continues here into chapter 3. Right? Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Right? And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they remained silent love when Jesus throws this stuff back at people who know their Bible and the religious leaders and, and they're just stunned. They're like, ah, I know if I answer it this way, this group of people is going to be mad at me. I know if I answer it this way, these group of people are going to be mad at me. So I'm just going to like sit on the fence and not answer. Love it. And then it says this in verse five, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely healed, restored. And then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Again, the issue here at hand is not so much what Jesus did, but rather it's when he did it. He was breaking their most sacred of traditions, breaking the most holy day, breaking the teachings and the commandments in regard to Sabbath. They want to kill him for this. And I love the few verses in the beginning here of Mark chapter 3 because it says Jesus 
knowing how hard their hearts have become, looks at these leaders, at the, at the people who should know better, at the people who should know what Sabbath is supposed to be all about. He looks at their hard hearts and he's deeply distressed by them. In fact, he's angry at them for the way that they have taken something which is a gift of God and turned it into a burden for the people. You see, religion has a way of doing that. We set up kind of guidelines and regulations in order to help people grow spiritually, in order to be a gift to people, and somehow it turns into something that it was never meant to be. It turns into something which is actually a burden on people, and it was never meant to be that. So what is this Sabbath? And why is it such a big deal in Jesus' day? Well, it's a big deal because it's commandment number four. When you look at the history of the Jewish people, they followed the teachings of Moses. Their whole culture based on the teachings of Moses. That The teachings of Moses made the people of Israel separate, made them different than every other culture of that day. They looked different. They lived different. They behaved different. They dressed different. They worshipped different. They ate different. They were set apart because of the commandments and guidelines of Moses. And commandment number four says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy day to be holy, to be set apart. That day is supposed to be different than every other day. And Jesus turns to these religious leaders and declares that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Again, if you're wrestling with who Jesus is, and Jesus is just a good moral man, he's just a good religious teacher, you've got to look at what he actually said, and he's not saying that. He's saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm the creator of the holy day. I'm the creator of the day set apart. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just Mr. Rogers saying, love your neighbor. He's declaring something huge here. But the religious leaders of Jesus' day took something beautiful and corrupted it and broke it. And that's what sin tends to do. Our sin tends to take these beautiful gifts of God and breaking them or corrupting them. And so what I want us to look at today as kind of this big idea is that Sabbath is spiritual rest. I bought you that gift is beside you. Don't raise your hand. But it happens all the time, right? Some, I remember years ago when I got my first apartment and my mother showed up with these big frames, like all wrapped up. I was like, oh, my mom bought me laminated Star Wars posters for my first apartment. I'm so excited. I opened them up, and they were laminated posters of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, what? Like, what am I going to do with these? I don't know what I did with them. I tested out the garbage chute in my new apartment. It's like, woohoo, these work great. You know, but it was like you receive these gifts and we don't want them. Today I want us to see how the spiritual rest of Sabbath is a gift of God that we should accept, even if we don't fully understand it. 
So what I want to do is exactly like I did last week. I want to look at two different things that we um, get wrong about Sabbath. Two things that we get wrong. Two big mistakes that we get we make about Sabbath keeping. And the first is this: is we overemphasize Sabbath. We overemphasize Sabbath. Uh, maybe just kind of way show of hands. How many of you grew up in what would be called kind of a very strict religious Christian home? Any show of hands? Show of hands. Yeah, a whole bunch of people. I, I talk to people all the time who grew up in kind of these homes where there were a whole lot of rules to follow. Right? You're a Christian. We're Christian families, so we don't do this. We don't do that. We always do this. One of my best friends, when he was, he grew up in one of those type of homes, a very strict, very what I would call legalistic view of Sabbath. And they owned, their family owned this beautiful cottage on the lake. And they would go there on the weekend, you know, from Thursday to Sunday night. They'd go to this beautiful cottage. And on Sunday morning, they would go to church. And then the kids, I think, uh, I think Steve had, I think there were six kids in the family growing up. And I think it was five boys and one girl. And they would go to this cottage on this beautiful weekend day. And on Sabbath, on Sunday... They had to sit in their room and read their Bible all day. You imagine five boys at a beautiful lakefront property. You're not allowed to go outside. You're not allowed to play. You're not allowed to go swimming. You're not allowed to go fishing. You're not allowed to go take out the canoe because this day is holy and set apart. You must sit in your room with your Bible. I wonder how many of those boys still go to church. <laughs> we put a weight on them. We overemphasize this idea of Sabbath keeping. right? Because the challenge is, because Sabbath is taught as this holy day, as this day that's set apart, the reason the Jewish people took this day so seriously is because they believed following these commandments earned their salvation. But you need to follow these things, and if you don't follow these things, your salvation is in question. It's following these 613 commands that earns our favor with God. So you better keep this day holy. You better have a whole bunch of rules around it. You better have a whole bunch of guidelines to make sure you don't mess that day up, because it could impact your relationship with God. So, of course, in the Old Testament, they would say Sabbath keeping is of huge importance. And we better make sure no kids have any fun on Sabbath day, just in case it might be work. (laughs) Or it might be making the day less holy, because we can't have fun in the holy presence of God. (laughs) So they would say it was very important. But now us as modern day Christians, how do we treat all of the laws and all of the single law? Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the promises in the Old Testament. Only Jesus can completely keep the law. He has fulfilled the law. But now there are principles of these laws that we live out as his children. So we need to learn how we deal with this Sabbath law. How do we deal with this gift? I don't think today being really strict on Sabbath is the problem most of us are dealing with anymore. 
You might have grown up in a home maybe 20, 30 years ago, and that was the, the problem of the day. I don't think that's the problem of the day anymore. I think today we have the exact opposite problem in the church and in our lives, is that we underemphasize Sabbath. We underemphasize Sabbath. We have no concept of Sabbath in our life any way whatsoever. Right? I think we are so busy, and it's go, 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 go go, go, and we're exhausted, and we're worn out, and we're tired, and it's spiritually making us cranky, because we need a good dodo. (laughs) What did you do with your toddler when they were cranky? You need a dodo. Give them the sussy and put them to beddy by. Okay? There are some of us who need a sussy. And need to go for a beddy buy because we're exhausted. And we've gotten the idea of Sabbath. We actually just think, well, Sabbath is a day off. So we just treat it like a day off. We treat Sabbath like, well, I'm going to work like crazy, work until I'm absolutely exhausted, and then I'm going to take a day off to hopefully recuperate a little bit to get me through the next week where I'm just going to be completely exhausted. And we as a culture, we treat vacation like that too. How many of you, this has ever happened? You're working, 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 just and then putting in overtime so you can take more time off, or you're banking your hours so you can have a little bit more time off of vacation, and you go on this vacation, and it's the most stressful two weeks of the year. Anyone this has ever happened and you go back to, and you're thankful to go back to work because that vacation was so exhausting. Has that ever happened to you? I remember that happened to me years ago before our kids were born. We went on a vacation to Jamaica. The longest seven days of my life. It was the longest seven days of my life. It was absolutely exhausting. And then on the last day coming home, there was like a monsoon that had come into the airport. Huge tropical storm. We're stuck in the airport for like 14 hours, something crazy. And then they put us on this airplane. Yeah, I think we can punch through this storm. Pretty sure it flipped, okay? (laughs) At least it felt like it flipped from my perspective. And you get back to work on Monday. How was your vacation? It was so good, you know, and you're twitching. We have got this Sabbath idea wrong. We've got it wrong, and we've got to figure this out because you are image bearers of God and God is a Sabbath keeping God and Jesus doesn't do away with Sabbath he still teaches the importance of it the apostles don't do away with Sabbath they still teach the importance of it so we've got to figure out what it means for us as modern day Christians what does it mean to truly keep the Sabbath holy without going back to legalism (laughs) So I've been on a journey of trying to figure out Sabbath for about four years now. Because I, four years ago, I was getting tired. Very tired. Four years ago, Greenbelt was thriving and growing, and people were accepting Christ, and we were baptizing people, and it was exciting, and it was incredible. And on Monday mornings, I would drive here, and I'd be crying in my car going, I just want a day off because I'm tired I haven't figured out how to implement Sabbath into my life so I 
I, I looked for mentors. I looked for people to learn from. I found a Messianic uh, Christian, basically a guy who grew up Jewish and accepted Jesus as, uh, as Messiah and got together with him and learned how his family does Sabbath keeping. I read books, as many books as I could find on the topic. I talked to seminary professors on the topic because I firmly believe Sabbath keeping is crucial for the church. If we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we have to understand this gift that God has given us of Sabbath rest. And not just as this day off so that we can charge the hill the next day, but to truly know what Sabbath meant to the ancient people of Israel and how it still applies to our lives today. So I'm just going to pull out a couple, four thoughts. And these came um, from the book, uh, Keeping Sabbath Holy by Marva Dawn. She did an amazing, amazing work, small little book on the topic of Sabbath. How do we keep Sabbath holy in our modern day culture today? Because again, we want to teach what Jesus taught. We want to live like Jesus lived. We want to love like Jesus loved. And you're never going to be able to do that if you're just running and running and running and running. We got to learn how to figure out Sabbath. So the first thing that she recommends in her book is what she calls see Ceasing. Oh, my list comes out with that word. C-E-A-S-I-N-G. Ceasing. Yeah. She calls on us to cease our need and demand to be productive all the time. I am the type of guy, when I am not being productive, I feel like I'm wasting my time. There's just something in me. It's my sin nature. There's something going on, but I just can't stop. And it's like, well, if I'm not working, well, then I better be doing building something or I better be repairing something. Or if I'm not doing that, well, then I'm going to find a hobby that at least produces something at the end of it, like a new costume or some things that are painted. (laughs) I've always got to be producing. (laughs) Ceasing is freeing us from that demand and realizing I'm going to give control back to God that I don't have to work seven days a week. I don't have to answer my email every time an email comes in. Did you know you are allowed by the grace of God to ignore a text message? (laughs) Unless it's from me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't have to answer it right away. I had to physically force myself to start learning that. And you know how I started doing this? Is bringing my phone charger to the church on Friday. Because by Friday night, my phone is dead. And I have been implementing kind of the Jewish tradition of Sabbath, Friday night, Friday sundown, Sabbath sundown, to keep Sabbath holy. And when my cell phone's dead, it died yesterday, and so did my car. So now my car and my cell phone are dead. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. They can't both be broken at the same time. Okay? But it forces us to depend on God. It builds trust in God that I don't need to be productive all the time. I don't need to be given to so many demands. I can cease from it. The second thing that she talks about in her book is that we have to learn how to actually truly rest. Right? The work week that we live, the culture that we live in, there's so little opportunity to just slow down long enough and enjoy the gifts that God has given you. We live in a culture today where we are so incredibly blessed with incredible gifts 
If you're married, you've been blessed with a spouse. If you have children, you've been blessed with children. If you have grandkids, you've been blessed with grandkids. You've been blessed with friends and family members. You've been blessed with a yard or a balcony. You've been blessed with the hobbies that you enjoy. But we're so busy, we don't even get to enjoy those things. I was talking about this about a year or two years ago with one of my best friends. And he was talking about, you know, how he's got this swimming pool and this hot tub and he's got the sauna and he's got all these different things. And he goes, I, he goes Kev, I've got all these things and I hate them because I never enjoy them. They're always broken. And all I do is work and work and work to keep fixing these things. I'm like, dude, take a week off. Just sit in the hot tub because I don't have time. Well, then I'll go to your place. I'll sit in the hot tub for a week. I'm like, you yeah, know, we'll swap. <laughs> okay. But sometimes we forget, like we God has given us all of these incredible gifts and we don't even spend five minutes to rest and enjoy them. Learning how to rest that way, right? Puts us firmly in touch with God's grace again, right? We talked, uh, she talks about in her book as well. She also talks about embracing, right? And this is personally one of my favorite things that I have been learning about Sabbath, right? Again, in our work weeks, there's very little opportunity to be slowing down, Right, but Sabbath keeping, embracing, it puts us in touch with kind of with God, with his people, with music, with creation. It's enjoying the things of God in a way that's close. One of the things that Danielle and I have started doing, we have a lot of meetings during the evening. And so because we have meetings during the evening, we've been more intentional of trying to take day afternoons off. So if I know I'm going to be you know, working four or five hours in an evening, I won't work that afternoon and we'll stay home. And we'll just sit in the yard. And we'll put on worship music. Maybe we'll take a nap. Maybe we'll veg out. Maybe I'll trim the garden. Maybe I'll trim a hedge or something. But it's not work. It's just it's enjoying this. It's actually enjoying some time together to get intentionally out of the hustle and bustle and to embrace the people you love. <laughs> To embrace the things you love. You know, and then the last thing she talks about in her book is she talks about feasting. When you look at the, the Jewish people, when you look at the Old Testament, they had laws and commandments on how to party. Think about that for a second. Laws and commandments for parties and festivals and celebrations and feasts. I think we as modern day Christians, we need to get better at partying. Amen. Look at that. Like it's 1999. We need to feast on the gifts of God. We need to feast on God Himself. This relationship that we have with a Creator who loves us, to spend time in His presence, right? To feast on music and food and good companionship, to enjoy the celebration. I'm a big fan of the of the, the Baptist potluck. I am. I'm a huge fan. Hallelujah. Praise be to Jesus. But it's not just, it's not about the food. It's about the fellowship. It's about what happens when we gather to celebrate when we're so busy, so busy. Gotta go, gotta go. Come in late to church, leave early. Oh, it's almost summertime. Yay, ministry's shutting down. We're gonna stop all of our ministries in March. We'll start them up again in October. That's, we're gonna take a six month break from doing ministry because we're exhausted. It's because we don't know how to keep Sabbath. If in your ministry you're getting to May and you're dead, you probably didn't keep Sabbath all year long. (laughs) And you need six months to recharge. (laughs) 
you probably didn't keep Sabbath all year long. (laughs) Because that's what Sabbath does. It's this renewal of our spirit. (laughs) It's a renewal of our mind. It's a renewal of our relationships. It's focusing on God just a little bit more. It's keeping that 24 hours. And here's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to be Sunday if it doesn't work for you. For me, I kind of implement it Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Wednesday afternoon. I look at those 24 hours and I need to break it up in my life. We don't need to be legalistic about it. But we have to do it. Why? Because it's so crucial. God's never taking a break from ministry. God is always on the move. God is always working. God is always calling people to himself. God is always giving people healing over sin and death. And he doesn't want a church that's burned out and fried out from May to October doing nothing because we killed ourselves not knowing how to do this. Right? Spiritual rest is a gift and it's one that should be accepted. I've been learning this. I'm not perfect on it, but the beauty is by the grace of God, we don't have to be legalistic about it. We can just go on the journey with it. If you'd like more resources about this, email me. I'll get them into your hands. We'll put them on Right Now Media. There's great stuff available to learn this and to grow in this and find ways to implement this. Talk with a life group leader. Talk with a spouse. Talk with a friend. How can Sabbath, keeping those 24 hours holy in your life to meet with God and ceasing and resting and embracing and feasting? And I think when our tired exhausted world sees vibrant and growing Christians that are vibrant because we are living out of the Sabbath rest that we have in Christ, that's attractive. Our tired and exhausted world wants to know what's different about you. And what's different about us is we are truly living out the words of Jesus where he said this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is the promise that Jesus offers to all of us who would believe in him, that we have rest for our souls, and that we can have Sabbath rest, spiritual rest in this world. If you're here today and maybe you're tired and you're weary, It might be because you have never accepted that rest that Jesus offers. And you can accept that real easy. It's a gift of God. And you don't have to be religious. You don't have to keep all these rules. You just have to say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do this in my own strength. I'm tired of being a good boy and a good girl. I don't know how to do this. I know I'm a sinner. And I know I need you to forgive me of my sin. So God, thank you that you've forgiven my sin. Thank you that Jesus died for me. Today I accept him. Become Lord of my life. And if you do that, you are made new. The Bible says you are born again and you become part of the family of God. And if you're a Christian and you've made that decision, but you're tired and you're exhausted and you're weary, how's your Sabbath? How are you keeping that time holy, set apart, Enjoy your family. Enjoy some good food. Enjoy those hobbies. Enjoy that hammock. Enjoy that cold beer. Enjoy that video game. Whatever that looks like for you. 
but enjoying that closeness with God. Not work, 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 crash, go back to work. But work so that I can be prepared to enjoy my Sabbath. You know, to take 24 hours off, you got to be intentional. You got to plan. Take a little bit more organizing of your calendar and your time. But it's so worth it when you plan everything out and going, this time, this slot belongs to God and the gifts that he's given me. And we are spiritually renewed by that. Jesus says this stuff's important. We have to learn how to make this important in our lives as well. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you that um, for those of us who are weary and burdened, that you do give rest. But you give us this gift of Sabbath and we look at it and we go, I don't need it. I'm fine the way it is. And we think we're fine until we burn out and fry out and crash because we haven't been seeking you. We haven't been drawing near to you. We haven't been trusting you to provide. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us, myself included, that you would help each of us to keep Sabbath holy, not to be legalistic, not to go back under bondage or slavery and to start kind of nitpicking each other, but that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to each of our lives. And what does Sabbath truly mean for us? How can we truly cease from producing? How can we truly rest in you? How can we embrace you, God? And how can we feast on God and the blessings of God? God, you want all of us to live out this gift so that your gift of Jesus could be known to the world. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to do more than we can ask or imagine through your spirit at work in this church and in so many churches across our city and across our nation. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, drawing more to you, building up your church for your glory and for our great joy.